0: podcast celebrating the late bloomers and trailblazers of all walks of life I'm Kelly and I'm red and on today's Tuesday tea I am Ooh-hoo. so excited to chat with a very dear old friend of mine I think we met like God it has to have been over a decade ago by now uh, mm. when we were volunteering for the Scriptwriters Writers Network um, and this woman, is going to inspire the shit out of all of you listeners with her very relatable story of all the peaks and the many valleys that eventually landed her in her dream job today. Yeah. It is producer and all around thriving late bloomer badass, Stacey Alfonso. <laughs> <Yay! laughs> Stacey I was like, you are the perfect person for this, like this whole podcast. Oh, of course, I didn't even have to tell you to come out; you did on your own. So thank you.
1: Yeah, I was like, oh yeah, that's me. Yeah, it absolutely <laughs> is.
0: You are the most inspiring person ever, and you are so Aww. happy
2: and like thriving now. So we're gonna get into that story, obviously. I but- was also going yeah. to say, she. Uh, this is our first time meeting, and yes. I was like, she has such a glow about her. I love this already. Like she, <laughs> she
0: looks fab. Like she, I was just complimenting her before. You are like on point today. Oh my god that's you cares. before we get into your story that i'm so excited to get into that we're gonna do our james lipton thing again and red you need to put on your glasses like you did last time oh
2: gosh wait where are my glasses i, I know because that's
0: how you know shit's real <laughs> is when you put your glasses on
2: thank you for also letting me just question you rapid fire uh upon first yeah. meeting you you know yeah normal <laughs> things to do you may well, be afraid of what you
1: get, though. So. <laughs>
2: <laughs> that's the best kind of answer already, and that's
1: why I
0: <laughs> like this. I love Stacy. Stacy, welcome to Tuesday Tea Trivia time.
2: <laughs> Not really trivia.
1: alliteration. Oh yeah, good. just like
0: alliteration. <laughs> what is your favorite word?
1: It's it's actually eth- ethereal.
2: Ooh, that's a right? good one. Oh, that just sound delicious? Wow. <laughs> It's just one of those words too that when you say it, it just feels like ethereal. Like, oh, here.
0: I, I got lighter. Like, I just like right? I, I took a deep right? breath. Wow. Like, oh.
2: <laughs> now I get to do the kind of dirty twist to it. What's your favorite curse
1: word? Fuck. <laughs> yeah.
0: That's the only right answer. It's got, ev- it's got, everything. It's got uh-huh. everything.
2: What is your favorite food? Spaghetti. Spaghetti, uh, okay. Like with <laughs>
0: <laughs> May I just say, if this is on video, I'm literally eating spaghetti.
1: That is right hilarious. <laughs> My kids get mad at me. I like the thin spaghetti.
0: Yeah, that's, that's the only <laughs> one. What is your favorite place to visit? Italy. Yes. Where in Italy have you been?
1: I've been to Rome. And it's crazy because if like if you're into spirituality or anything, the first time I got there, there was just such a vibe that kept going through me. That I was like, oh my God, I've got to come back here and really understand what's happening. And every time I go, like I've only been like two or three times, but every time I go, I have that same vibe. And for the longest time, I wanted to live in Italy for two years, you know, haven't been able to do that. But now it's like, I want to buy a place in Italy.
0: (laughs) Seriously like yeah. wait two to three times is a lot actually you just you just go is that just like your favorite place like you just go every no no year? no
1: it's, it's the, the one time I went with a celebrity when he was uh he was touring for a film that was my first time and then the second time I went a few years later with my family and then I forget what the third time was I think I was just kind of was like a little layover yeah like,
2: mm-hmm. ah, what a glove it's kind of funny how the universe kind of brings you back there because it's like
1: yeah, I I was for so, you. It, was, it was such a vibe that I'm like, there. I don't know if it was like a past life or what was going on, but there's something about Italy um, and me.
0: How appropriate I mean, for spooky season too. But well, yeah. <laughs>
2: well, I would say too, like there's a whole, I, don't, I have this theory and it's gonna go down a hippy dippy path, but I think certain places carry certain energy, And when you find a place, like, let's say like a haunted place or something really like a battle right. has happened there, there's something that kind of hits you in a yep. way. But then yeah. sometimes you go someplace and the vibe just matches your energy. And so suddenly it's like, wait, what is this? And it's like pulling me there. And exactly. That's yeah, ethereal.
0: So- How ethereal of you. <laughs> <laughs> Full circle.
2: Amazing, look at that. You brought it back.
1: But speaking yeah. of things to inspire us, like what is your favorite quote? I have two. There's one from from work that has always, from like my first job, I had a um, executive director and he would just yell at everybody, cause it to be done, cause it to be done. So like that's always followed me. So whenever I'm at a roadblock or something of that nature, it's always like already built into my DNA to figure out a way to move around it. So I often say that and I hear myself saying that sometimes. And then there was one I was just looking over here because I'm at my desk and I have like a little mantra and it says, my authenticity is my true north. And so it just reminds me to keep being me and like everything will align with that, that's supposed to
2: I love that, that's amazing. (laughs) We love that for
0: you. Those are amazing quotes. That's a great (laughs) answer. Okay, I didn't expect to have two amazing quotes. Great, (laughs) double the fun. What is your favorite movie?
1: My Best Friend's Wedding.
0: Oh, I gotta watch that again. It is yeah, that season, too, yeah.
1: Yeah, that and Serendipity.
0: Oh. I've never seen Serendipity, right? have you Oh, seen oh see it. I've
1: seen Serendipity. I've I haven't
0: mean, seen it.
2: Uh, it's John Cusack, right? And Yeah, yeah. Sale, yep, 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 yep. Which oh, is such nice. an interesting pairing, but it works. It For most of the movie, they're not actually together, but they're still- <laughs> It's like that uh, Sleepless in Seattle where it's like- Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. Chemistry, and then you're like, wait, they don't actually have a lot of time on film together, but it's amazing. Yeah.
0: What is the Rotten Tomatoes score on it, both of you? I'm looking at it right, right oh, now. Man. What oh, do we, we think of Rotten?
2: What is it? Oh, I feel like people like it, but I feel like critics were a little hard on it. So, but Rotten Tomatoes is in between. So I'm gonna give it like a 75. Okay. I
1: would go with that. I would go with that. Well,
0: no, you need to do another one.
1: Whoa. Oh. Um, Do 76 so or 74. Do the one upper right. All right. 74. <laughs>
0: okay, so I guess that means Stacy wins, but it's 59. What? <laughs> oh, what? That's insane. Light and charming, serendipity could benefit from less contrivances. <laughs> <laughs> That's the most I mean, criticky thing I've ever heard. I'm watching this tonight, though. Either way, I'll watch let it. you know. So, yeah, I'm going to report it's back. It's a good rom
2: com. All right. It I'm definitely watching. is. What is your favorite karaoke song? Either to perform or just one to watch. Like if you're like, oh, anytime someone sings this, I have to see it, or I have to sing this.
1: The one that just keeps coming to mind is um, Eye of the Tiger. I <laughs> love that. Every I
2: time. Have uh, you mean Eye of the Tiger? Or do you mean Roar from Katy Perry? Roar.
1: No, the, OK. <laughs> yes, that one. That's, I was like, yeah, think- Tiger Tiger. Not that one. I literally yeah. heard like, Bub, and then she started yeah.
2: singing. And then I went, wait a
1: minute. Yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's why I had to sing it. Them. I was
1: like, yeah. I need you to be in alignment with which one I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah.
0: Get song. Very inspiring. What is your favorite compliment you've ever received and or like to give?
1: You're a guru. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, that's you kind of really are. Nice. Right. Thank you. I do yeah. get that from time to time. And I'm like. <laughs> Beautiful. Aww.
2: And then, what is your favorite drink, alcohol or non-alcoholic, or both? I like a good martini.
1: Plasty. Gin or vodka? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> right answer. I like
2: you. See? I like you a lot. I knew you would. <laughs>
0: Stacy is all of us.
1: I think one of my favorites, though, is a lemon drop martini. Ooh. Yeah. But like I said, it just it depends on what my mood is. You know, but it's like if I want to feel sophisticated, it's the martini. So,
0: you just planned my night. I'm gonna eat spaghetti with a lemon drop martini and watch Serendipity. That's what we're
1: saying. <laughs> what a classy ass- from Italy! Oh. Oh, and,
0: yeah, oh, <laughs> yeah, she's so classy, Red. She's, she's classing us up as we speak. Yeah. We need that on our this podcast. This podcast is
2: getting to a next level of class. Yeah, That's Stacey, seriously. So, speaking of all the things that are coming to be and all this other stuff, I guess our start comes from early days. What do you think your favorite subject was in school?
1: It was English. I had a feeling. Right answer.
0: Right answer. Me too. Well, we did meet at the script writers, though.
1: Exactly. That would right. make
0: sense. Yeah, of course. What is your favorite season? Summer. Oh, I thought you were gonna say fall. Okay, yeah, I guess. I,
1: guess. I really do like fall, but yeah. um, it depresses me because that means winter's coming. I know. And I'm from the east coast, so like that's in me like cold and damp Same. and rain, and that's which true. is why I'm in California now. Yeah,
0: <laughs> you were smart like me. You got the hell Makes out of there. Sense. Yeah. Hey! <laughs> Sorry, love you. Great. Right. We got that. Well you 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 came out here too for a I bit. was out there for a while, so, so. I mean Yeah, yeah exactly. I knew.
2: Yeah. I came back for better or for worse to get
0: yeah. the oh. yeah,
2: all the seasons, so. <laughs> um
1: but what is your favorite color? Believe it or not, I think I'm gonna say red. Oh well, thank you. <laughs>
0: <laughs> we knew That's we meant to get along. Yeah. Favorite smell?
1: I like, um, like sandalwood. Yes. I can smell it now as
2: I do my yeah. morning yoga. Definitely fitting that guru vibe. Ah, oh, it <laughs> really is.
0: Ethereal guru. Uh-huh. Right.
2: The <laughs> uh, what is
1: your favorite either flavor of ice cream or, or and, favorite pizza topping? My favorite pizza is mushroom. It has to have mushroom on it. Mm. Yes. And my favorite Ooh. ice cream is coffee. Ooh. Okay. So anything that has a coffee base, yes. Yeah.
0: Love, love. And and Red doesn't drink coffee even, so we hate Why her. Why'd you wrap me out? <laughs> <laughs> we don't like
1: her. I know. This, this, I know. this, this interview is over. <laughs>
0: I know, bye. I, I don't know how we're
2: friends, Red. Wait, how, how are we supposed Seriously? to relate with that? I don't know. I know. She doesn't. It's... It's fair, it's fair, but you know what? Then we're going to come back around and talk about our martinis and all the other stuff. There we stuff. go. There so we I I will drink an espresso martini. It's the one exception. So I think yeah, we yeah. can find common ground, right. ground
1: there. Well, I was going to say alcohol trumps coffee. so.
2: Yes, there we go. Always. See, Absolutely.
1: We're yes. back on track. We're back. There we go.
0: <laughs> uh, last, we're going to the last five. What's your favorite
1: holiday? Um I'm just going to go with Christmas. Why? because my family has such crazy traditions. We have a family, it's about 20 of us that'll come together in Virginia. And we used to do it where we had themes. So like one year, for example, the theme was um, states, you know, and so you had to have a, a main course, a um a dessert and a a drink and an appetizer and so so me and my kids decided to do it together and we ended up with california so we had california puerto rico and another one and so we said okay let's do california and so we did um you know chipino we did a wine flight of california wines and then every night like we judge and then we have a winner so we have a pumpkin carving contest for halloween too so
0: do you win have you ever won
1: I won! I finally won last year. I what, did you, what, won.
0: what did you carve?
1: I did. I made it a little bit simpler. Simple. I didn't carve this year because you can carve or paint. So I didn't carve last year. I create. I did a unicorn, um, a pumpkin unicorn. But our my, my first year, and I always fuss about it. I was robbed. I I carved Cinderella's pumpkin. I had it like a glossy blue. I had the wheels. And inside, she's sitting there and had it lit up. One year, I did Whoa. Tinkerbell. bell What?
2: And how did you I not already, win? I was about to say who won. Because,
1: uh, they felt soft for those little children.
2: <laughs> oh. I was yeah, like, no, we they know. Gotta, no, they gotta, gotta no. learn one day. That's
1: you that. don't
2: we know. What's to learn. Winning. Children need to learn about like now. now. It goes <laughs> to the best person, the the most like qualified the best pumpkin. Yeah. We don't care if you're young. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's oh about my time God. you learned about competition.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Damn, and if your family. family doesn't
2: do it, you know, what are you going to learn? Right. We're going to lose to the people you love first.
1: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I can do it in a loving manner.
2: Right. <laughs> Speaking of all these different activities, what's your favorite outdoor activity?
1: If I could do it all the time, it'd be sailing.
2: Oh, wait a minute. You're a sailor.
1: I wouldn't say all of that. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, but you've been sailing. So
1: yeah, you've like only one, been one. When I first moved to California, um, it was either sailing or or horses or equine. I used to own horses years ago, and I know. So, uh, so I wanted to learn to sail. So I did join a women's sailing association here in California, and it was such a cool experience. And then I, I kind of got away from it, but like every once in a while, when I get the chance, I'll do it. And now I do it um, on VR headset. So
0: <laughs> a little different, but wow. still.
2: Wait, yeah, I want to
0: go in person, though. Yeah, let's right? do Invite it. Invite me. Oh, my
2: God. Red, okay. you're missing out.
0: See? I know. I know. I'll do a
2: trip. Yeah, I'll do California. a trip. Just let right, me know yay. when we're sailing, okay. all right? We're <laughs> going <laughs> sailing.
0: We're going to get ice cream. and We're going to get martinis. Yeah. Right, gonna right. You guys can have coffee. And have coffee. I will just
2: have an extra espresso
0: martini. There you go. It'll be fun. There you go. <laughs> Favorite
1: number? I do have a favorite number. What's
0: your favorite and number?
1: And it's crazy because, again, spiritually, it pops up all the time. It's a combination of 7, 2, and 4. Which 724, 274, 427, just those oh. three numbers in any combination. And my son was born 724.
2: Boom. And so
1: he thinks that's why it's my favorite. Your- <laughs> Don't give him a big head. Yeah. It was way before he was even born. That's but yeah, crazy. those numbers. Just keep popping up in my life. Like the last hotel room that I got was um, 247. See, this is very
0: appropriate for our October
1: Tuesday tea. There's some yeah.
0: spiritual, <laughs> spooky, ethereal stuff happening here.
2: Okay, <laughs> got the black and orange going. I love this. Okay, cool. last two. Yeah. Go Since ahead. we're speaking of the present, see how they do this. <laughs> what is your favorite kind of gift? Beautiful transition.
1: Ooh, I like giving gifts. That our experiences. Yeah, that's smart. What have yeah. you given?
0: What is like your favorite thing you've given?
1: So, my my partner is really into Formula 1. One day he was we were watching it together and he was like, "Man, I'd love to 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 be in that thing and see what it's like." And I've end up finding a uh, a company that gives does those race cars experiences. Whoa. Yeah. So I ended up getting him that.
0: Did you go with them?
1: No, no, no. We, we haven't <laughs> gone yet. We haven't gone yet, but uh oh, okay. um, it's, yeah, it's like the most unique thing to actually get to be on a racetrack in a, uh, you know, high-powered car. I well, <laughs> just post when
2: that happens.
1: Yeah, I want
0: to know about uh... that. Okay, last question. What is your favorite thing about yourself?
1: Then I think, uh, more serious, note, that I think that I'm always pushing myself to keep learning and keep growing. Yep. And that's which, what I like.
0: Which is very appropriate and easy transition into... <laughs> Your story, because my God, you are so inspiring. Like I said, when Aww. we caught when we caught up, like ups and downs, and I met you probably at like a point that you didn't want to be at when we first met. Lots of um, temping, and you're very yeah. overqualified, and mm-hmm. I can relate. And I think a lot of us in the entertainment industry right now can, for like the jobs that you get versus the experience and qualifications you have, but. After a decade-long journey, you are in your dream job. You are so happy. You are thriving. Mm. Tell us your backstory, and we'll just jump in if we have to, to today, yeah. and your ups and downs, please. So um, I, say- I love
1: my alma mater. I went to Howard University in Washington, D.C., okay. and um, when I went there, I was not sure if I wanted to be um, go into entertainment or if I wanted to go into law, and so I did end up majoring in English with a broadcast production background. And I figured, you know, either way, I, I'd be covered. And I was really inspired by Spike Lee during mm-hmm. that time. Mm-hmm.
2: Um,
1: and I think he was, like, he was really coming out as one of the, like, first real kind of prominent um, directors, producer directors of, of that time period. And just talking about stories in the African-American community that had not been seen before. And so um, that, ending being very rooted in, in those kind of ideas, um, really inspired me, but what happened, what happened (laughs) during my senior year, um, of, of college, I actually was employed full-time at, um, a place called the national bar association, which is the largest nonprofit organization for African-American lawyers, attorneys, judges, and things of that nature. So I actually got to meet Thurgood Marshall, I was around when Clarence Thomas was being nominated in, you know, just huge, huge people in the, in in the law field. And once I started meeting lawyers, I was like, yeah, this is not my world, but anyway, (laughs) i was I was head of uh, their monthly magazine, and so mm-hmm. I literally ran that magazine, which is kind of crazy because I was still a student wow. um, in college. And so I ended up kind of taking over the marketing side of things as well. So I'm still using my English background, mm-hmm. but um and even then, I knew that I wanted to have my own business in some kind of area but wasn't sure what it was i ended up leaving that job became a sales a counter salesperson for estee lauder for a few oh, years okay. because it was making the same amount of money plus you you got like two hundred dollars in gratis every every quarter and had the best um the best co-workers there i think that was one of my favorite jobs Wow! and um oh. ended up getting, meeting my husband getting pregnant he was from south america and he went back home before we got married to help with the family business, which was cutting trees down in the rainforest. Yeah, so
2: Whoa. eventually
1: I moved to South America. It was Guyana, South America. I moved there for about two or three years, and I got a position at their oldest advertising agency, first as a copywriter, but then I was helping to create commercials for them. And because of my background, sorry, they gave me the title of Director of Communications. Because of my background and because I was American, um, living in South America like I was kind of like you know how like we fawn over accents now yes mm-hmm. people <laughs> fawn over my accent and I'm like what? <laughs> but anyway so they appointed me head of marketing for their largest trade and tourism expo um, that happens called uh, guy guy enterprise and then they add whatever the the year was so with that experience I got to work with and travel with um like their their minister of trade and tourism, their minister of finance, um the minister of culture. So these are all people like who are like equivalent to like the top senators that we would have in the country. So traveled all around the Caribbean um to promote this this event. And um it was amazing. Like it was a huge like boost of what my capabilities were to stretch myself. Um, You know, it was just a huge adventure.
2: Wait, that's and badass. This is so early in your career, too, because yeah. you're not that far out of college. Whoa. Yeah, I think Whoa. I was
1: like, No, no, I must have been like 25, 26, because I ended up, I had my son. He was mm-hmm. one or two. We got married in Guyana, but then I got pregnant with my daughter, and because of the healthcare system there, and I had a cesarean the first time. I knew like the likelihood of having that again would be high. And plus my family wanted me to make sure I had an American baby. So moved back here in 96, 97, I ended up having my child. And so there I was re uh, revamping my life. My husband and I moved into my mom's home in Philadelphia because oh, okay. when, when you were living in South America, like I think even at my title and what I was doing, I was getting paid, I think it was $30 US a month
0: wait, what? Yeah. Whoa. That's what
1: the, like the conversion was, which over there is kind of fine, but they like, they didn't have a finance system. So it was, you had to like buy a car up front, but because I knew some, because I hung out with the minister of finance, yeah. like he hooked yeah, me God, up what? with a car. Like, yeah. It was crazy. Right. Whoa. Crazy. Yeah. So <laughs> I come back to the East coast and I'm redefining my life and I'm like, okay, so what do I want to do? I still liked Um, you know, the whole advertising world. But Mm -hmm. I was really curious as to how we created the commercials that we came up with. And I still had that little creative aspect to it, because I was also writing the scripts for the commercials Mm -hmm. that we were doing. But I decided that, you know, I'm going to get foundational with my career in advertising, and I became a media buyer. And so because it's all about you know, research and science. And this is the why we do what we do. Still wanting to have my own business at some point, And I knew I wanted it to be around my culture, my culture, having a passion for that. I was like one of the first, I was on that first wave of the importance of multicultural marketing. So I was still working at this one agency that I absolutely loved. And one of our clients was KFC. And so they were really trying to reach the African-American market. And there were two black people working in the agency at that time. And the other one was a receptionist and I was the, the media buyer. And so I'm sitting in a meeting one day and they're talking and they're about how they're trying to reach this area of Philadelphia that is... Completely black, lower class. And so they started talking about putting coupons in cash checking places. Mm-hmm. at the first of the month. And I was so confused. I was like, why? Like, what is that? And so it turned out that it corresponded with them thinking that African-Americans did not have bank accounts. And um, that's when the welfare checks came out. I was like, I was like, wait yeah, a second. Boy. I grew up like not too far from our offices right now. All my friends have bank accounts. Yeah. You know, I was like, we all have college degrees. If, I was like, even if you go into that area. And so they, they were thinking that Black people just couldn't afford chicken on the bone this is a whole retail thing i was like if you drive through that neighborhood all you'll see is cadillacs you know and all toyota's land land rovers all that stuff right so it was really crazy so that's when it really hit me that there was such a need for it and i started kind of formulating it and then when the opportunity came i'd gotten laid off from a job and i was like Mm -hmm. okay you know, the need is there. Let me start doing it. So I started, you know, to be a consultant for agencies and um, clients then. And then one of my girlfriends was like, oh, me and my friends. And they were on the sales side. We're like, oh, we've been talking about doing it. And I hated sales. So we got together and then they, they bought into my company, which was called Mecca Marketing Media. At the time, I ended up running that company that became Mecca Communications um, for 14 years. So, always having that passion, still creating the commercials, but you know, doing short form storytelling in 30 mm-hmm. seconds, and five second increments. What, are we, um,
2: what time period are we in at this point now?
1: We are now in 2007.
2: Short form was getting, but it wasn't as much the thing as it is nowadays. Yeah. Like it's de- you're definitely yeah. ahead of the curve. Oh, yeah. You're already are yeah. yeah. way ahead, like, ahead. Like, yeah. and oh, and it. Was, it, was,
1: <laughs> it was when people were starting to, to say, hey, the Hispanic population is about to beat us all out. And then just trying to understand how to appeal to other cultures instead of just having one message. So I was. Definitely definitely able to to enter in there um, for, like I said, for 14 years doing it. It had its ups and downs because I was working out of my house. There were times like I had like three or four people that I had hired and interns coming into my dining room where I had like little office things set up. At one point, my husband was working with me. And so it was, it was hard, you know, because then there were some like really stellar uh, agencies in Philadelphia and it was the craziest thing Philadelphia was only competing with itself. Like they wouldn't go outside, you know, to other markets. It was the craziest thing, but I guess it's kind of like California now, yeah. but so, um, so the benefit was I was able to, to be at home when the kids were growing up. Like so mm. elementary school was just like around the corner. I was able to be like, stay at home, not stay at home mom, but like um, parent mom, go on the trips and all that other stuff.
2: Aww. But
1: so what was going on is my marriage was starting to fail. It was the that cultural difference was just really creeping up. And I was just just happy, just unhappy with my life. It was when a lot of the businesses was fa- were falling, and the marketplace mm-hmm. was just so hard. And so, like the larger agencies that wouldn't think twice about getting going after my kind of businesses, were now just encroaching on everything. Mm-hmm. And so, I was trying to really figure out what my next phase in life was going to be, and what was going to make me happy. And also knowing that you know I was in a, a marriage that was failing. My kids were getting older, and at some point they were going to leave. What is going to make Stacy happen? Mm-hmm. And so I went back to my desire and passion to be a producer, be in the entertainment industry. And so I had some friends out here who was were already doing some stuff. Um, One an actor, a writer, one's a design person. And so they were always like, come out, come out, come out. So when I decided that I wanted to do more for it, I was like, okay, this is what I'll do. I still am in Philadelphia where it has a huge music scene, big films still come out that way. I'll just start gearing more of my clients towards entertainment. I created a Mecca entertainment division and was going to pursue it in that way. And just gradually, like when my kids, you know, got out of school, got, you know, got into college, I'd make that transition so I was talking to one of my friends who is celebrity actor and asking him you know for some some mentoring advice and so he's this is when he said i'm going to be doing some promotions for this film why don't you come on out at some part of it and then you'll get to see what it's like girlfriend out turned out to be rome italy
2: oh my god
1: and just come out yeah. for a
2: little bit you know just this little small, little, quick outing trip
1: yeah, in, yeah. to another
2: continent it's fine
1: Damn. <laughs> yeah, you know, i was thinking okay you know it'll, it'll, new york or something like that he was like you got your power pal- passport let's go I'm like <laughs> and thank god I did I was like yes so and, you say and, yes
2: and then you figure out if you do yeah.
1: or not yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay, that's yeah. the so my passport <laughs> had expired and I was in DC because I think it was during Christmas time so I was visiting my family in Virginia did I not take my butt up to the customs office in, in <laughs> Washington DC and got a rush job on it and so that less light that life lesson is just like you said Red say yes mm-hmm. you know say yes and then figure it out So that's what I did, got my passport went to Italy for like a week with with that crew got to meet some really great people and just I was asking everybody everything like I was asking the director I was asking the publicist all that stuff and so that last day before he was about to move on to Spain or someplace else we were having a conversation talking about you know what I learned and stuff and so my heart was still like yeah my son has got two more years in high school when he finishes because I was worried about the LA gangs and all that stuff I was like when he finishes I I'll move out there and I'll bring my daughter with me who would then be entering high school at that time. Mm. And so he said to me, if you are serious about being in the entertainment industry, you need to be in Los Angeles. His thing was, there is no plan B. So your, your plan A is your plan A like, and don't deviate from that. So I was like, yeah, yeah. yeah, Okay. Thank you. That's great. (laughs) I went home. I think I deliberated for two or three days. My kids were downstairs in the living room. And I came downstairs and I was like, hey, guys, I've got some news for you. I said, before the (laughs) summer is over, we're moving to Los Angeles. And they were like, okay, mom, sure, sure, sure. (laughs) And don't you know, August, I swear, August 15th, 2009, (laughs) they flew to Los Angeles. I found a house, got them in Oaks Christian School, which is a, a phenomenal school for the rich and toity don't know how i know how i did it it was part of my friend helping out with that but they went ahead of me and it turned out at that time i was a pa for um how do you know jim brooks film and so that was being filmed in philadelphia so i finally had my first job Forget the NBA and all this other stuff. Katherine Hahn was pregnant and she was in the film Reese Witherspoon. So I'm up here carting her urine <laughs> to, uh, to the doctor's office as a piece. <laughs> and uh, it was it, so, and then they, they couldn't let me leave midway of the film. They wanted me to finish the film out. So while my kids had left in August, I had gotten uh, various people to come and stay with them until I could get there. And I didn't get there until like October 29th. I know it was right before Halloween.
2: Whoa.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Perfect
2: timing. Like, wow.
1: Appropriate timing. So yeah. So they moved into a, a completely empty house. Where when you're on the phone, you can hear the echo because there was like no furniture, <laughs> no anything, beds and a blanket. I did eventually get there once the film finished and started meeting people. And luckily, someone from Sony saw the potential that I had in my background being in multicultural marketing. And they had screen gyms at the time, which was handling the urban market. I'm going put that in small quotes. And uh, they thought it would be good to, to, instead of contracting it out, create a position for me to work that market. And Mm -hmm. so I created my own little division of one where I focused on the African-American herb and urban markets. And my biggest thing there was to, my push was to let them know that blacks watch everything. We don't just watch urban films. And Mm -hmm. so some of the films like that, uh, one of the biggest films that they were interested in was salt with Angelina Jolie. And they love like research shows. They really love Angelina Jolie. Um, social network. It was like, okay, everyone's on Facebook, why wouldn't we want to see a film about right. Facebook? So it was always me having to like tweak that messaging um and making sure that we had the assets and the creatives and then reaching out to that market. So again, it was just me and um I was talking to one of my friends who who was a uh, an executive there, young um African American guy Devon Franklin. And he says, "Figure out where their pain is." And so I said, okay. And I realized that there weren't that many African-American interns coming to the studios and coming to California. And I came from an HBCU, Howard University. So I created the country's first HBCU internship that was locally based. So I created teams at about seven HBCUs where each one of them worked on our films so just when I would get the directives Ooh. from our marketing department, I would then create directives from them because who's our who's our highest movie going audience like eighteen to twenty four, mm-hmm. so we created campaigns both tailored to their campuses as well as to that DMA that they were there with. So did that that was really Damn. huge. I'm we want a couple. Like, I'm
2: almost in shock like they didn't think of this before. But again, it's like the fact that we kind of don't we have people who are making these decisions who aren't very diverse. And so they're not thinking like, Hey, what how can we reach these other audiences? And exactly. then not having someone like you who like could be like, By the way, not everyone's on welfare, like what? Like that story is still <laughs> like I'm like, Wow, that's ridiculous. So Jeez. holy crap. Oh, this Hollywood. is like incredible though to hear. Like creating these programs that seem like, well, duh, why didn't we do this? And yeah. (laughs)
1: Yeah. And why isn't it still around? So, so yeah, so that's when, and then, so I was there for about three or four years and that's when all the, like the waves of layoffs started happening and like Sony lost Mm -hmm. like 10,000 employees in that first wave. And so I was able to hang on for a while, but then got caught up in the wave. And I think that's when Kelly had met me, but the other part of it is, Wanting to produce, so now that I'm in California, I needed to learn the industry, learn the players, and, and figure out how to transfer my skills from a marketing person to a producer. Which they have the same skill, but Hollywood will not let you make that transition. Like, once they see you as a certain way, they don't mm-hmm. see you as anything else. Mm-hmm. And so I was always told, you know, here I am again, back in a management position, that the only way to become a producer is to become an assistant and work on someone's desk. And I'm like, why? I've got an MBA, first of all, that still I need to dust off. <laughs> you, <laughs> okay. you, you and me both. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but you know and for and running my own business company for 14 years and you know creating all this other great stuff and so um when and I, I did
2: was, I was gonna say some people would say oh yeah you have to pay your dues I'm like you've been paying, you've your, paying dues. your dues and then some right, right? so that's not the same right. as like you have the experience so it's not to say you haven't been doing that because again you have these young people who are like oh I could go to, it's like well you need to get that experience this exactly. is
1: entirely different Exactly.
2: Oh, wow. exactly.
1: Wow. Wow. <laughs> I know. Yeah. So I spent, and that's when, um. oh, so just in trying to learn the industry and everything and wanting to produce my, my mentor friend said that if I, if I really want to be a good producer, I need to learn how to write or I need to write. And I was like, I don't want to write. I want to produce. I want to like produce other people's writing. Now, you know, I've written articles and things of like that, and, you know, published articles and stuff like that from my marketing. So it was like, writing was not, I was an English major writing was not of a, a fear for me. It was just like, that wasn't what I wanted to do, but mm-hmm. he insisted. That's what you should do. So that's when I got involved with the Scriptwriters network because, mm-hmm. you know, and then, you know, he, he came up with the write what you know about. So I was like, okay, this, this person is my first friend ever in life. We've known each other since we were two and four. And so I was like, okay, I'm going to write some stuff some stories about our childhood. And he was like, that's perfect. Write about our childhood. So I did write a script that I'm still working on 10, 20 years later. And it talks about different stories from our childhood that I made into like one summer long event of boy trying to get the girl, you know, over summer vacation and, Mm -hmm. and all the things that happen with, with all of that. So I called it concrete summer is the name of that. Yeah. So still working on that. Still oh. everyone Finish loves it. it.
2: I love it's, it. I know.
1: I know. I, I just know this keep project. Changing it. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Kelly has read it.
2: I want to read it. Oh, this sounds so good. It's it's adorable. It's so adorable. cute. It's yeah, so I love cute. it. And, and will, will uh, he help you with it or not? No. Oh.
1: <laughs> He's encouraging but not uh, yeah, okay. yeah, I think if someone, I think if someone gets an interest, then suddenly he's gonna be a producer. On of
2: course. It. <laughs> of course. That's how it works. That's how it always is.
1: Yeah, so. right. So I mean I'm gonna to, you know, tell people like this is a story of me and this other person who grew we grew up together. Blah blah blah. So um mm-hmm. so that's when I joined script Writers network so that I can really understand story. Because when I learn something, I wanna learn it. And that's okay. when I met Kelly uh, during that time period. But then it was also <laughs> It was also, you know, jumping from temp job to temp job to temp job, and then getting up in age and dealing with with all of that, you know, ageism, being a black female, all of that stuff, and and some ta- and in some cases having the stigma of, oh well, she's so and so's friend, so of course she's getting a free ride. When it's like, yeah, you yeah. should
0: be running the studio then if if you're right, right.
2: right. If it really right. is like he's uh, an A-lister. The, I mean, what's the yeah. term? Like, I know nepotism is when it's family. Is there one for when it's like close friends, like, but it's not that,
1: like, again, you would be it's called so mistress more. Because <laughs> <laughs> that's what uh, everyone would always think, oh, well, she must be sleeping with him. Like, no, uh, <laughs> no, not yet, at all. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, so you faced a um, lot
0: of that discrimination oh, in a way. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's very interesting. Well, why isn't he helping you? It's like, because that's not how we are, you know? So yeah, just, you know, so I worked at different studios, and um when it when I was in it it sucked. You know, because I was also being, you know, assistant to some, to someone. I'm like rolling calls, which I sucked at. <laughs> I sucked at so
0: did
1: calls. I. <laughs> I sucked at rolling calls cuz I That's shouldn't so. be rolling calls. <laughs> I know. <laughs>
0: Seriously. Oh god. And you have an MBA,
1: like oh. Right, exactly. <laughs> They don't teach you this <laughs> yeah. in business school how to roll a no, call. Uh,
0: they're rolling your calls.
1: <laughs> right? God.
2: So um, so doing tough. that
1: and, and like I said, and just just struggling. And it's, it takes a lot to be in those positions to be humble enough and to be hungry enough to take something that you know is beneath you. I'm just going to say like, you know, and some people would say, you know, you feel entitled. I put the work into it. Mm-hmm. So yes. Yes, there is some entitlement, but there's also, you know, that's what's supposed to happen. You're supposed to put in work and you're supposed to get rewarded for it. And I worked with some great people. Uh, And like I said, when you're in it, it's not cool. But at one point years later, I looked back and I was like applying for a position and it occurred to me that that was a quick education in the industry because I got to work with different studios, different people, different departments and scenarios. So I really got a quick education in a lot of things. What happened to to lammy um my almost dream job is so I was out of I was out of work for a good 8 or so years out of a full-time stable position and I ended up getting a getting a contract job at Dreamworks that then turned into a, a full-time position for, for a while, which was an amazing job. I loved working there. My boss was so cool. Um, and I was going to lunch with you <laughs> 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 the, the, the free
0: right. lunches there. <laughs>
1: yep. 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 Mm-hmm. And, um, I got to, you know, I did get, you know, because I had that PR experience from Sony, they didn't have that red carpet experience and stuff like that. So they, I was able to like utilize some of my skills there, but, um, then, you know, when, uh, Katzenberg sold the company everybody got let go again so this is my like second huge wave of layoffs and just trying to stay strong through that and just keeping my focus on what it is that I wanted to do and um, I ended up joining women in film and they had a mentorship program and so the one year once I was able to be a member I applied for it I got to be in a membership gr- a mentorship group with um, Katie McLean. She was a soap opera star and now director. Um, and this group was uh, for women who were trying to change from one position to another. So to reinvent themselves. So it was perfect, right? So we would meet for the whole year. And then as that year was starting to end, um, I'm still looking for jobs and things of that nature. But I'm also as you guys have picked up very spiritual. So I was also manifesting a lot. Like I was, I was manifesting, I was meditating, um, putting all the spiritual practices into play um, to, to do what I wanted to do. And I, I had such a bad experience with Sony for one thing. And then just, you know, just in this industry altogether, I wanted a place Mm. that my contributions mattered that people who I really like being around, and I have an opportunity to travel. The other part of it is that mentorship has been a, a huge part of my life. Um, even when I owned my own company, like I would create mentorship opportunities because they were like, oh, there's not a lot of Black people in advertising. There's not a lot... lot of qualified black people in this so i'm always like trying to help wherever i can so that was a big part of what i wanted to do and and again just trying to figure out what my life was going to look like as i'm getting older and i i came into this job announcement on linkedin and over the years i'd been doing a lot of free projects right and then through the mentorship one of one of my mentor women Um, had said, oh, I know this young director who she's creating a short. She needs a producer. Do you want to do it? And I'm like, yeah. So I got like my first opportunity to fully come on board as a producer for a short. Mm-hmm. So I've been building all this, this experience, right? And doing it, you know, cheap, just, you know, I was first AD, I was PA, I was coordinator, just just to get this experience. So when I'm looking down what they're looking for, for a producer for this organization, it was tick, tick, tick 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 and so they were looking for you know it was contract at first project based mm-hmm. and and um i applied and it was so funny because my i mentioned my mentor because she saw it too and she was like oh my god stacy apply for this she'd be so perfect i was <laughs> like i did i'm so excited
0: <laughs> kismet same way yeah,
1: I yeah. <laughs> <The> universe <laughs> i end up getting the position and uh it was it was really interesting and and like, even when I was going through the interview process, the people were so nice. And the, the woman who I would be working above, I was like, I really liked her. And it was like, it was a camaraderie like versus, Oh, that's my boss. She's really nice. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And so got to work with them. And um, so my contract was for the year for that whole project. And it was actually um on healthcare. And so, The name of the company that I work with still to this day, it's called Road Trip Nation. And so it's a combination between a media organization and a career exploration group. It's nonprofit. And so what we do is we work with larger organizations to partner with them, come up with a theme. And then once we develop that theme, we go out and we select what we call road trippers to come live in an RV for three weeks to explore this topic. And
2: cool.
1: <laughs> it's all about defining your roads in life. And I can really relate to that because that's what I've been doing for so long. Right, And it's like part of this mentorship feeling, because once you do get them, um, get them in, we have to then find people for them to interview and we partner with them to do it. But like, I also have to show them how to cold call you know, and, in how to, to build their, their, even their social network. Like, so one of the first things I do that that's not required, but it's because of how I like to prepare them. And they're usually college students is I'm like for the first meeting team meeting, I'm like, create a, a um, elevator pitch and come back. And then just like the one that you saw um, Kelly change yeah. makers, yeah. Every meeting, every week, I'm like, "Give me your elevator pitch," because I want it by the time we went into production for it to roll off of their tongue. And mm-hmm. because it's a life skill, it's not just a skill for for here. Yep. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. So oh. so that's that's who I how I work with now. And at one point, I was just like, "Oh my god!" I really realized that everything I manifested or that I wanted to manifest comes through in this company, and I love working with this company. I mean to the point that sometimes I say I feel like I'm the meanest person at this company (laughs) you're so sweet
2: (laughs) and that's saying something because you are clearly a very kind and like open person to be sharing your story with us and so for you to be like I'm the meanest person I'm like who are you working with yeah (laughs) you're gonna be like saints
0: Like the change makers. Yeah. That I watched, it was just like, I was like almost in like tears. Like you're really inspiring a generation. Like it's kind of, yeah. Like you said, a culmination of everything you've done and it's like the most rewarding thing. I think you've said you've ever worked on and you're just like, you love what you do now. You're I actually do. doing that cliche. Like you're supposed to never <laughs> work a day in your life and you actually are finally doing that. You're like,
1: Yeah. Ah, yeah. Ah, ah.
0: I'm like, I love that for you. Like, it's just, Thank it's Jesus. just, it's just like, I want to work there. Hire me. <laughs> it's just like, cause the entertainment industry, man,
1: like you sometimes yeah. you're
0: like, what is it all for? And where does my contribution to the world? And like, you're kind of merging them both. Yeah. Um, so. And what's
1: also cool about the company is that they, they, they don't like hold you ransom. So there are projects that I work on on the side to try to get into development, um, you know, feature films. I'm working on a, a short with my nephew that's, that's so cool that we're probably, they're going to film next month.
2: That's incredible. So, you
1: know, yeah, they give you that opportunity, like, because now I'm in post for my most recent one. And so oh it's just, it's again, that learning, that constant learning. I love it.
0: So what would you give? Because, you know, I've been laid off. Red's been laid off. Everyone in this entertainment <laughs> industry right now is seemingly laid off. Rice, what'd you give to those of us who are in a valley right now?
1: <laughs> mm. Even in those downtimes and like, like with COVID was a, a really great example of that too. But even in those downtimes, keep learning, like mm. keep growing because like during COVID when things were shutting down, I'm like, you know what? I'm going to take this opportunity to come out on the other side better than I was. And I learned to edit you know, now I'm not the most proficient editor, but (laughs) I learned, you know, that was a skill that I learned. So just always keep learning because you never know what that opportunity is going to look like, which was what happened with me when I found this job. It was like, I just kept ticking up all the boxes of what they were looking for. And had I not done these things on the side that brought me joy, I wouldn't have had the skills, you know, because you could always just sit back and just be always me, but you just gotta, you just gotta keep your eyes on the prize and find joy in what you're doing in the moment and be in gratitude mm. because that will come back to you.
2: My gosh, I'm like, I, that. I need, That's that. Incredible I need to that. I think it's hard too sometimes when you're in those valleys to be like yeah. grateful for, you know, yeah. the peaks that you've had in the past and for those, you know, it's kind of hard not to be looking like, oh my God, when am I going to get out of here? And When is it going to get better? And where is that next step? But just the way that you're saying it, it's not unrealistic to be like, listen, I have gratitude. I don't like where I'm at, but I'm grateful for the things that I do have at this moment. Exactly. And that's a huge difference. And to be like, I mean, Kelly and I have talked about this, especially with the podcast of like, you know, we're doing this because we enjoy doing this. Right now, we have no idea Where it's going to go, but we want this to be a place not only for us to like give, like, have this opportunity to meet other people like you. But okay. also learn from other people who have been in our positions or who haven't, but we can learn something from. So yeah. we're continuing to learn. And that's and then, what you
1: have to do. You just have to keep finding that one little hook that's going to get you to the next day, the next hour, whatever it is. Don't I know it.
0: <laughs> My last question is tangentially related. DEI, uh, as you had oh. touched on early on mm-hmm. in your career, was racist <laughs> or not even existent. And then the George Floyd you know, racial reckoning of 2020. I guess. I wanted to hear about what you've seen then versus now. What do you think? Are we getting in a better direction? Is it insincere? I guess, what are your thoughts on, you know, from what you've been to what you see now? What do we have? How far do we have to go? Are we on the right track? I just want to hear... Any thoughts on DEI? That's diversity, equity, and inclusion,
1: by the way, (laughs) for those who don't know what that means. It's funny that you mention it because one of the things that really impressed me with this company that I'm a part of, it's a small company of 90 people based in Orange County, California. Mm. And when I came on board once a month, they would have DEI training where they would talk about different subject matters in the DEI space. And that all came out of the George Floyd murder that this organization from Orange County decided to do something about it. And so they created a DEI council and I'm now in the second iteration of that council and very vocal and but I love it too because they're so willing to learn and I really appreciate that. So even though the the George Floyd incident happened and Ahmad Arbery and some of these other ones it just it guts you all the time that it happens, but it's so unfortunate to say it finally grabbed the attention of the world. Like we've been, go- in in my community, we've been going through this forever. Mm-hmm. Forever, it's not new to us. Mm-hmm. So to finally hear someone go, oh, that's kind of fucked up. To have the world get it was just like, oh, thank God. You know, mm-hmm. thank God it's not just us saying, ouch, you know, but everyone else is saying, this injustice can't keep going on. And it's sparked so many different things. And to me, I'm always like, conflict is not necessarily a negative thing, especially if it starts to spark dialogue and put attention on it. And then the next step is to come to resolution. Now, it didn't happen overnight, didn't start overnight, so it's not going to finish overnight. But I'm at least optimistic in some of the things that have happened but then you've got florida who's just called slavery and internship come on now yeah and yeah. then and then what's worse is recreate what happened just so that people could feel good no no it doesn't work like that and so there's still a lot that has to be done. Because it is getting kind of crazy.
0: Whatever next project you do, end it, Stacy. Yeah. Count on you to end this.
1: <laughs> oh, okay. Oh. Just just you. I'll put that in my Save notes. Save us. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Save much us much them all and Stacey now. <gasps> Jesus Kelly. In Stacy, we trust. And <laughs> Stacy, we trust. My God. If anyone can get it done. But what I really love about what you said too is. Visibility is so important on so many different levels and as awful as some of these things are just knowing that this is happening because unfortunately, a lot of the times media is definitely like, it, it, there's blinders up onto some situations happening and it takes something horrific like yeah. that for someone to finally go, can we at least shed some light on this so that people know what's going on as opposed to, you know, just ignoring it and it's why like so many people were already like yeah this has been going on for a very long time and so many other people were shocked and thankfully so many other people were like we need to do something about this as opposed to you know the usual I hate to say it but thoughts and prayers but they don't do anything
1: about it. right exactly exactly it amazes me that we still keep hearing stories of cops and abuse like I don't Mm -hmm. know like because I'm thinking if I was a cop I'd be real careful.
2: Nope, (laughs) not the case. Besides putting all the pressure on Stacey to change everything. change the world, yeah. She is putting that message out there that there is stuff we can be doing and there is ways that we can all be making change. And like, without it sounding too hokey or aspirational to be like, we can be that. But again, just having the conversations as difficult as they are, just sparking that dialogue. Like you said, that's so important.
1: Absolutely, and just one other quick story. It was so funny. Before I got on the DEI council at my job, they were having a, a little event called um, "A Seat at the Table" for Black History Month. So they were like, "If if anyone identifies as African American, okay." And at the time, it was two of us one it was a, one producer and myself. And I slacked. I was like, "Are they talking about us?" And- <laughs> So it's like sometimes you can go a little bit overboard with it. Like just, just approach us and ask. Just say, "Hey, right. you two, right? Who you want to identify? Anyone? Any- Bueller?" But um, one of the things that that they had asked me that I wanted what I wanted to communicate to the group. And one of the the ones was was me coming out and saying, you know, I'm an African-American woman and I have an African-American son. And, you know, he's he's been in the gifted programs. He's gone to he's attended universities. But when when you see him, your thing is to clutch your purse, you know, without even knowing who he is. And so. As black mothers having to live with that fear, you know, that our husbands are going to be brutally murdered just because of the color of their skin, you know, and our babies, you know, and it's like, so it's like, that's one of the things. So it is, it's nice to say, oh yeah, I'm an ally, but you also have to like, look at where your own biases are coming from because there's many. And, and I don't say that just from a black and and white standpoint, like me being in the DEI council, I'm finding so many biases all the time that I have that I have to like course correct. And so I'm always saying to them sometimes, like, forgive me if I say this wrong. I'm a work in progress, but blah, 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 blah. But, you know, so it's it, it's just it's really hard to see where those microaggression aggressions come from that you're doing it. And so it's also sometimes if someone's calling you out for it, don't be offended by it. Just kinda of like take a look and see because we all have it. It's just that unfortunately, you know, one group has more power over the other, you know, In to all make kinds it of way. a harder, yeah. yeah, harder kind of a situation.
2: Goes right back to what you're saying about learning, always being open and always being because whether you're the person being called out or you're the person calling someone out, sometimes it's coming from a place where you don't even recognize where those biases are coming from. And so
1: exactly.
2: it's an opportunity to be like, Oh, I need to check Like where, where is this coming from this discomfort
1: that I'm feeling
2: because it is uncomfortable to call someone out and it is uncomfortable to be called out. But if you, instead of immediately go no and get defensive and all that stuff to instead take that as a learning opportunity to be like, what, what's really bothering me about this moment and and see where those come from. I think that's awesome and ties right back to what you're saying.
1: And then there's there's one other saying I I completely forgot, but what it just it just crept up for me. Um, Stevie Stephen Cove, Covey always said, um, try to understand before being understood, and so that's Ooh. a huge one too. Yeah, like so, try to understand what the even if you don't agree with it, just try to understand where that's coming from, because mm-hmm. then you can also you can relate, and then maybe you can you know come together on stuff. So that is also something I, I um, stick with.
2: Honestly, I feel like his saying is basically, you want to try empathy? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Got empathy? Oh, my God. Yeah, because some of us just, we just want to be right. Exactly. Like, we're not going to be because... <laughs> Unlike math, where there's definitives to things, uh, everything else is not that definitive. There's all kinds of different perceptions of things, different, even looking at stuff like history, we can get the dates probably right, but we're never going to get like the true story of this side of things or that side of things. Right.
0: (laughs) So to finish out on a light note, first off, what are you going to be for Halloween and where can people find you?
1: Yeah. (laughs) The only thing I really do for Halloween, Sorry. Is is the pumpkin contest. That's
2: fine. You need so to dress up, Stacey. I've
1: got, to, I've got to create a kick-ass pumpkin. That's what I'm gonna do. You better win.
0: You better win this year. Well I won la- yeah, I okay, gotta, okay, keep title. We gotta keep a
1: title.
0: You gotta keep a title. I'm counting on you to hold on that title. Yeah, we're gonna so. be keeping an eye on No and pressure. Where can we but find pressure. you to
1: hopefully yeah.
2: see this uh where pumpkin can we find carving? you, Stacey?
1: <laughs> All where of you- my social uh, media channels are at S Alfonso and that's and. S-A-L-P-H- o-n-s-o
0: everybody watched her movie Changemakers. Changemakers.
1: change yeah it's amazing. either it's on pbs or roadtripnation.com amazing we'll put so it in the show notes.
2: go give stacy so a follow yes. uh, definitely go enjoy coffee and some mushroom pizza <laughs> and serendipity and spaghetti <laughs> yeah, yeah. and like <laughs> that's the plan and keep learning because Stacy said so. And it's Stacy yes. we trust.
0: <laughs> Stacy we trust. Thank you, Stacy. This was amazing.
2: Thank you guys. That's so much fun. This oh. is so amazing. Oh, we love all of this for you. And thank yes. you again for joining us. It's thank amazing. You.
0: <laughs> Listen to hear us next time. Hear you next time. Listen to us next time. Listen. What am I saying, Red? See you bye. Next time. That's what I'm saying.
2: I'm saying bye. <laughs> Bye guys! (laughs) I always end things on a chaos note, so see you next time everybody. Bye bye! (laughs) Bye!
0: Thank you for joining us on I Love That For You. Our theme song is by Vaudeville and used with permission. Our cover art is by Jenny Lamb. edited to the best of our abilities by Kelly and Red. If you want us to spotlight someone, have questions, or just want to say hi, email us at pod at gmail.com. Or join us on Instagram at I love that for you pod to join the love fest and see what else we get up to. Episodes are available on Apple podcasts, Spotify, basically wherever else you listen. We appreciate all your love. And if you want to help support the show, please rate, review, and subscribe to the show on Apple podcasts.
2: This helps us spread the love and reach more people. Thanks for listening. We love you.